Hi, I'm Britt Vasacek. I'm the host of Poly You Wanna Podcast. I'm not a professional counselor, nor am I a professional polyamorous person. Poly Wanna Podcast is a collection of stories, opinions, and perspectives about the polyamorous lifestyle. The voices you hear, including the host, offer their subjective interpretations and don't intend to convince you or shame you. We're just letting you into our vulnerable and complicated little worlds. Brought to you by the Mockingbird Network. Hi guys, I'm Britt Vosicek. I'm the host of Polly Wanna Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, please subscribe and rate and stuff. I'm here with my guest and my true love, um, Jonathan Walker. Hey, everybody. Oh, I forgot. Here's Johnny. Thank you. You're I was welcome. I would have been really upset. I could see it in your face. If that hadn't happened. I know. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Jonathan is a um, a life coach and a cat owner and a kombucha maker and an all-around great person. Neither of us are in, experts. In that order. But, in yeah. that order. <laughs> That's like in order of like diminishing significance. Yeah. Like I have cats. I make kombucha. I'm an okay guy. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I should do more lengthy introductions of you for people that haven't heard previous episodes. But you know what? None of us are perfect. Yeah. Uh, which leads me to my topic. Yay. Hey, look at that. How about Smooth that? transition. Mm-hmm. That's how you move from small talk, everybody. Uh, we're going to talk today about the perfect poly person. Um, and we're going to talk about some expectations that monogamous and polyamorous people alike um, kind of impose on the lifestyle uh, and how that can be toxic to have super high expectations that belong to yourself for people that do not belong to you. And it was inspired. Um, I'm in I'm in comedy. Do a little stand up. I should talk more about that and plug my shows. What's wrong with me? Um, <laughs> you, did you guys forget I was a comic? We are okay. not exploiting this podcast for I maximum know. marketability. But this is really upsetting. <laughs> I'm not doing any of my job. Uh <laughs> I um and in the stand up community I get a lot of shit for being poly and everyone has a poly joke in Houston now and normally they're really negative which is fine because not everybody likes polyamory but there are also people that I've known that have you know said they're poly and done another thing or have cast a lot of judgment based on people they've met before things that you know I'm doing and that other people are doing without really knowing the full picture. Um, so that's kind of what inspired me to have this episode is because I, I get, because I'm so public about my polyamorous lifestyle, it lends itself to a lot of scrutiny and, um, I'd like to cry about it a little, you know? Sure. We can accommodate that. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to talk about what the perfect poly person is, um, and how to be that person and how you don't have to be that person, which is super important because we're all human, right? I mean, most of us, yeah. Most of us are human. For yeah. our cat listeners, I don't want you to feel left out. Right, exactly. <laughs> Cats are people too, you know? Um, so I I really like, before we started this, uh, we were we were talking really briefly about the direction we wanted the show to take, and we kind of agree that, so first of all, there are pressures on poly people from within the community and from without the community to be a particular kind of poly person. Um, I'm not saying that there's one like ideal version of poly that everyone tries to push on everyone else. I'm not even saying that everyone within and without the community participates in this kind of peer pressure, but essentially it's not everyone. Right. Um, there is this, there are a couple of, I would say harmful or unhealthy expectations that poly people place on themselves and each other. And that people from without the community tend to place on poly people 
um, just by, you know, stereotypes and judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, I want to touch on all of that. But before before we get started, we wanted to really quickly just say that as far as we're concerned, um, the only qualifiers for being poly and doing it right are dating more than one person and being honest about it. That's it. Anything beyond that, any any deviation from the norm, any you know, anything special you bring to the table, any individual way that you poly, that's fine. That's your preference. That's what you're doing. If you're dating multiple people and you're being honest about it, guess what? You are polying the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, everything beyond that, everything that we're going to talk about today is just a matter of personal preference. So right off the bat, let's set the groundwork, the expectations mm-hmm. here. Um, but imagine, I mean, like there's so much pressure sure. to be perfect. And I think that, I mean, it's the same with monogamous relationships, the same with your personal life. You know, it's all, everything is so subjective and everything's up to you and what you want. And I think one of the beautiful things about polyamory um, is that you can get as much or as little um, or as complex or as simple. And that's really, it's kind of like a build your own adventure of relationships, like turn to page 246 to, you know, have your first bisexual experience. Yeah. You know, it's stuff like that. Um, but everyone starts at page one. And if you don't want to go any further, you don't really have to. The boundaries are to keep you in you, to keep yourself safe, to keep your other partner safe. Um, and they kind of come as you develop deeper into polyamory and they change. Um, so to say that any of these boundaries and any of this vocabulary is going to be the same for you your whole life when you're exploring polyamory is so unrealistic. Um, and to look from the outside of the community at someone who's polyamorous and think that you know what they do or what they want or how they act um, is hugely incorrect, especially if you don't know anything about polyamory. If you know anything about polyamory, then you know that whatever they're doing is probably way different than you think. You know, I meet poly people all the time and they tell me about their specific relationship and it's so, it's so interesting how different people live and it's really cool and happy. Mm -hmm. I mean, not all the time, but it makes me happy to hear people kind of customizing their life for themselves. And that's super important. Well, one of the key principles of poly is that, I mean, it's so broad. Like there are mm-hmm. so many so different many variables, right? There are so, there's so many, even just within the structures of the polycules and the, and the people that comprise them, there are so many unique characteristics and different kinds of needs that can be met sexual, emotional, or otherwise. Um, so no two polycules are going to look the same no t- because no two indiv- individuals within those polycules are the same. There mm-hmm. are going to be different needs. There are going to be different boundaries. Every one of you has a different history and an understanding of love and different traumas that you need to live through and, and establish boundaries to protect yourself from, um, Nothing, we, we can't take anything for granted here, seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't assume anything going going into this. Um, and so, you know, a, again, um, there, there are, there's probably a spectrum of good practices. Mm-hmm. There are probably things that are helpful. So, like, you know, open communication, experiencing compersion, minimizing or mitigating jealousy, um, being being friends with your metas. These are things that are helpful. The, mm-hmm. It's a spectrum of things that can... It's like a toolkit. Right. You know, it, and you can choose to use them in whatever capacity you feel comfortable with. Right. Um, 
Exactly. And and that's the thing. It comes down to an individual level. So when we try to paint a picture of the ideal poly individual, it's impossible. Or the ideal poly relationship structure. Right. Or or any of it. It's mm-hmm. it's we the can, ideal poly foot rub. <laughs> you know? We we can paint in really broad and general terms when we talk about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And we can say this is generally better than that. But when it comes down to the individual level, it all breaks apart. It all, mm-hmm. it, it falls apart because ultimately what you have to do is what's best for you and for your partners. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of the fun of it is discovering what that is. Right. You know, and that takes place a lot when you're new to poly, when you're in a new relationship uh, or relationship, a posture, or no, a parenthesis, parenthesis. Um, when you're doing all that stuff for the first time, you reevaluate what's going to work for that relationship. So even the person is going to change, you know, absolutely. Which is cool. It's all about like growth and transformation and being the best possible version of yourself and yourself in the context of all these relationships. Um, So it's exciting, but it's important to know that it's going to change and that it's never going to be perfect and that you're going to make mistakes it's you're going to make mistakes. You're going to you're going to fuck up, you know, just like a monogamy. You know, you act, you know, you're texting your secretary on accident, you know, and you're it, or um, the same judgment exists where, you know, um, a monogamous couple, the woman's home all the time and the guy's always away. And there's these like people are like, oh, I could never do that. I don't know how they that's not a relationship. It's like, yeah, it is like everybody just does what they want and what they need. Um, and the same is true for Polly. But I think the judgment kind of blows up because. Uh, people don't understand it. And there's no rule book, really. Mm-hmm. There's not, I mean, there's suggestions and there's like the toolkit that we were talking about. Yeah. Um, but we don't have like hundreds of years, thousands of years of, of storybooks and songs and indie movies of people falling in and out of love. You know, it's not fair. Um, but we're kind of like starting from scratch. And I think it's important for polyamorous people and monogamous people alike to have a lot of um to cut a lot of slack you know mm-hmm. i think it's important to want the best for people and want people to be the best versions of themselves but to try to force that on them is so uncomfortable and it's such a waste of energy i can't imagine it and part of the reason i really wanted to start this podcast um was because the resources that we have are very rigid um and i know so many people who are raw and who are different and who have experienced all of these different things and have made all these mistakes. And I, I, it's endlessly interesting how they've come to be in the relationships that they're in or in the, the place that they're in in their life. And to share that with people as not like as this is how you should be poly and this is what you should do when you're entering polyamory. But to share it as this kind of like we are individuals that feel this way and exist this way and we want to share that with you in a way that's natural and not, you know, preachy. Um, I think that's, it's a, it's a resource that's not around and that I feel like the more open poly people get, um, will be around more when people can be out of the closet. Um, and when people hopefully listen to this podcast or read articles or, you know, however misled and undereducated those HuffPost people are with their, you know, new exciting, um, polyamorous exposés blah 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 um i think it'll get easier to find that but it's hard right now you know mm-hmm. so so yeah let's start breaking this down a little bit let's start um so um, among the categories of things that 
start within the community, that people tend to think about each other within the community um, or, or of poly individuals. There's a lot of pressure placed on poly individuals, for example, um, to feel compersion. Mm-hmm. Um, this is uh, like the first one that jumps to mind when I think of um, sometimes unrealistic expe- expectations placed on each other. Mm-hmm. You can't compel anybody to feel compersion. You can't point your finger at somebody and say, you should feel, com- you should feel compersion for me, you know? Yeah. And compersion is the joy that you get when your partner is in a happy relationship. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't always come super naturally and it takes a lot of time to get to. Um, just like jealousy, overcoming jealousy, mm-hmm. everyone feels like you should automatically be like, yeah, this is okay. Yeah. I don't feel insecure at all. Right. That's going to take a long time. Right. I mean, that's why things like boundaries and disclosure policies exist. There are ways to, once you identify your triggers, once you identify what it is that makes you jealous, there are things, there are steps that you can take to mitigate those effects. You can say, well, I know I get jealous when you tell me about um, sleeping with other guys, sleeping, sleeping with other people or spending mm-hmm. the night is, is a really great yeah. example. Mm-hmm. That's that's a pretty hard line for some people. I don't I'm OK if you have sex with other people, but I don't want you spending the night because that is really intimate. That's for us. So early on in the relationship, you set that up as a boundary and you say, I will experience jealousy when you do this particular thing. So could you not Mm -hmm. until, and and we'll readdress later down the road, but for right now, please don't do that. Yeah. Um, And generally, if you continue to grow and confront the reasons that that is a boundary, you'll eventually overcome that. And you may never, and that's fine. Right. Um, But that's part of the journey, you know? Right. Um, And, and that's, that's the thing for me. It's so much less important that you overcome or, or change who you are mm-hmm. or, or what your jealous triggers are than it is to communicate them to your partner and take responsibility for them. Yeah. So as long as you're doing your half, your half is knowing what makes you jealous and communicating that to your partner. And their half is hearing you and respecting that. and respecting it and coming to some kind of a compromise that's mutually accommodating. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you can't expect to rewrite who you are and everything you've ever been through within the first month of being poly or even the first year or even the first five years mm-hmm. it's it's an individual journey that takes a different amount of time for everybody and um, i see a really sad occurrence with some mono people that i've been with where they try to deal with it in their head mm. they're like oh like i i didn't want to tell you about this but like this has really been bothering me and yeah. i'm like i wish like you would have told six me. months i've yeah. been i've been in i've been in pain for six months, and I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to ruin your fun. Yeah, but that's this is the fun. The fun part is knowing and exploring how to, you know, either work around it or get you through it. or um, It's like maximum amount of happiness for the maximum amount of partners, you know. Yeah. Um, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But don't ever be afraid to express your jealousy. Um, but that expectation in the community that jealousy doesn't exist or that compersion has to, um, can make you feel that way. It can make you feel like you can't, you can't express your jealousy and you can't, you know, negate your compersion if you're not capable of it or if you don't want to, you know, for sure. Super unfortunate, but I don't think that's, I don't think that's, no one's ever going to express that to you. I don't, I don't think anyone's ever going to like <laughs> drill into you. I think it's just one of those things where there's like, you know, quiet whispers about like, oh, this is what we have to do. And so like mono people go into it thinking that. Um, right. And poly people sometimes overlook the capacity to which they have to use those tools, you know? Right. I think, I think that there's 
so within the example that I gave as far as spending the night with somebody, there's there's kind of a, a sweet spot in between um, not telling your partner anything, not telling them that uh, that it's that it's hurting you and you want them to, to change their behavior in some way to accommodate you and forcing them to change their behavior and saying you you have to stop sleeping there or or I'm I don't know veto power or I'm leaving or whatever like mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to I'm going to make your life a living hell there's there's a sweet spot in between those things where you respect your partner's autonomy and you say you know what you can do whatever you want because you're your own person I just want you to know that it is causing me pain when this happens and so it would be mm-hmm. super rad if we could find a middle ground um and that's the ideal not being buddha and and letting nothing phase you um, but communicating and trying to find some middle ground. That's, that's the ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it doesn't always happen that way, but <laughs> <laughs> right? we all fuck up. Um, I'm trying to think. There were, other, there were a couple other ones that we wanted to go over. Yeah, I think, that, um, I think that the jealousy and compersion is such a huge one, but I also think relationship structures get really... Um, kind of romanticized Mm. and i think specifically um a quad is that what it's called Mm -hmm. where it's like two couples and they all kind of date each other Mm -hmm. that's like the holy grail like people talk about how like that would be the best um and so that gets romanticized and kind of put on like you know the the poster of what it looks like to be poly Mm -hmm. um and there there are others like a triad um, where it's the a couple and then a girl, you know, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that, where it becomes like your goal, like this is what you want in a polyamorous relationship. And so you kind of work to find people that fit with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that expectation um, is it misleads you kind of to think that you have to fit yourself into this or that or that those things are the easiest or or yeah. first step that anyone <laughs> should take when entering poly mm-hmm. those are those are advanced those are if we're yeah. going to if we're going to talk about simple polycules versus advanced polycules pretty much v a v is the only simple polycule mm-hmm. um I and say, even then right i say simple tongue in cheek because yeah. <laughs> jesus there are so many things it can things. be very difficult oh yeah for sure a v has a hinge explain a v okay so a v is um if if me and my partner were to go out looking for somebody and she were to start dating somebody else, I'm I'm currently in a V. Mm-hmm. I'm not really seeing anybody. My partner has one other co-primary, mm-hmm. so she is the hinge that connects he and I in in a V. Mm-hmm. Um, I would I would kind of encourage anyone that's new to Polly to maybe shoot for that first, mm-hmm. um, and then find out how fucking hard it is yeah um because <laughs> anytime you have more than one person in your life it starts to complicate things you know right um and so if we're talking about like this idealized version of poly mm-hmm. that new people try to live up to right off the bat i would say you're right jumping straight into a triad or a quad like from the get-go mm-hmm. um holy sweet lord so many things like you know, again, if we're talking about poly, we're talking about just an increase in variables, right? So mm-hmm. everything in poly is, by definition, more complex than a monogamous relationship because there are more people involved. So with a triad, there are actually four relationships going on there. There's a relationship between each partner, so one, two, three. And then there's the relationship of the triad as a whole and how all three of you interact together. 
that is mad complex, like mm-hmm. crazy complex, all kinds of potential for things to go awry or, or feelings to be hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can be incredibly satisfying Oh my God, and it's yes. amazing when it clicks. Now mine, mine was amazing while, while it was, mm-hmm. while it was happening. Um, Functioning. yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, anyway, so don't, don't feel like you have to jump straight into the deep end of the pool when you're, when you're going poly. Don't feel like you have to jump straight into any particular configuration mm-hmm. just because that's what you've seen. Yeah. You and know? also I think more so than jumping into it is idolizing that and right. saying that that's going to be what's best for you. So right. you need it. My polycule is not as good as yeah. that polycule because that's the configuration I want. Or when people that are in a polycule look at like solo poly or V's and they're like, that's not, you know, real. I feel like that's a judgment that occurs a lot in like bigger cules. Yeah. They'll be like this kind of like a little bit of couple privilege kind of, yeah. not really, you know, not, I guess like polycule privilege um, yeah. where they feel like higher up than the rest. Because they they're able to accomplish that, and that's such a shitty thing yeah. <laughs> to have. Like it's like a click. Like that's what it looks like. You know, it feels like a click that's trying to like keep all of the uh, negative newbies out. But I think it's important to start at the individual level mm-hmm. um, and go from there. Like it doesn't start with you and another partner. It doesn't start with you and three partners or four or seven. It starts with you. You yeah. start there and yep. you look at your needs and you address what you want. And you go out and you try to meet your own expectations and find out your boundaries. And then slowly over time, you start to accumulate um, people that are on your side and that want that for you. And I think that that's it's a journey that is it's an individualized journey. Um, I know that seems counterintuitive because you start dating a bunch of people. Um, But if you don't start with yourself, then you're going to fuck up. You know, you're not going to have a good foundation for what you want. If you say, you know, I want to be with three other people and I want us all to be each other um, because you don't look at what you really want. What you want is like this need filled and you want to maybe cohabitate, you know, stuff like that, that you don't, that you can't skip when you're looking inward. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to, um. Some, something occurred to me while you were talking. Something else I want to talk about real quick about mm-hmm. um, idealized standards placed on new people. That's uh, such a sweet way to say I wasn't listening. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I wasn't at all. Totally spaced out. No, I, I, I heard everything you said. I, I'm trying to develop this thought because mm-hmm. it just it just clicked in my head. So I'm thinking about um, how hypersexualized uh, Polly, Polly is made to be from the outside oh, looking yeah. in. And how... Oh, that's a good one. Specifically, women... Um, and and men to an extent i'm not i'm not saying that we don't deal with this to some extent but but women within polyamory are almost compelled into being bisexual or being okay with threesomes or orgies or just mm-hmm. being being sexually available and part of that i think is because that's so many men's fantasies and men project that into their polycules so hard because that's what they want because that's what they've been told they should want I, mm-hmm. or or they genuinely want it whatever but but point being there's this immense amount of pressure on poly women or women in open relationships in general to just be super fluid and okay with mm-hmm. whatever happens and sexually. super sexual and having a lot of partners yeah that's something that people that are mono think 
almost like exclusively is that, oh, you're just sleeping with a lot of people. Yeah. And I can say from in, I mean, for me, no, because I have a really little libido and that's not where my needs are. But there are some women where they, that's what they want and that's what they pursue. Um, but I don't think that we should reduce the lifestyle to that. Not that it's not great to fuck everybody all the time because yeah. it is good. And if you can do that, I admire you and I wish I were there with you. Yeah. But I'm like a one fuck a week kind of gal. And if you're more than that, then that's great and pursue that. Um, but the way that sexuality is stigmatized, uh, that's a problem. But then also the way that women are fetishized in polyamory is a huge problem too. Sure. I mean, again, it's just bleed over from the other 90% of the culture, right? Mm-hmm. With this assumption that, I don't. I don't know. There, there are so many layers to it, but, but essentially, yeah, that that exists within the poly community as well. Mm-hmm. It's just as unhealthy here as it is everywhere else. Um, the idea that, or the tendency for women to be pushed into situations that they're not necessarily comfortable with, mm-hmm. because it's assumed that that's what you do when you're a poly woman. You are bisexual. You do have a lot of sex. Or or you're okay with your your partner having a lot of sex, whatever. Like any mm-hmm. any sexual thing that you're not comfortable with, that's fucking okay. Like yeah. that's more than anything. Like wherever you're at and whatever your boundaries are, mm-hmm. don't let anyone tell you that you're not polyang right because you have sexual boundaries or preferences. Jesus Christ. Like <laughs> I don't know. That one that one gets my goat because I see that one a lot. Mm-hmm. Um and, and yeah, a lot of boundaries aren't communicated or requested. Yeah. In that sexual sense, I feel like people, I mean, also in society, we really um, have normalized casual sex uh, to the point where it bleeds over into the to the poly community where it's like, oh, well, you know, you're poly anyway. I'm sure you have another partner, but it's just like, you know, we're just going to go on a date and fuck and, you know. That is so normalized and it has such little weight, I think, in everyone's mind. Um, and I think that in in the the way that I mean, Polly does have a lot of kink and a lot of sex, you know, sure. Well, yeah. there's a little bit of a there's like a Venn diagram. Right. And the kink and sex is in the middle mm-hmm. um, and the Polly is in the middle. But then there's like this whole other world, you know, polyamory isn't inherently kinky and it isn't inherently sexy. Um, right at all (laughs) but there's so much overlap that i think coming into the community you run into a lot of kinky sex driven people Mm -hmm. um and it is important to tell yourself and to know that it's okay to say no and that it's okay to set that boundary um and that those expectations are not normal you know that's not what you like that's not a symptom of polyamory it's a symptom of culture just in the way that you go to a bar and guys won't stop grabbing you you know like it's that same mentality um, and it's unfortunate and exists everywhere. Uh, but I would hate for someone to try to transition into poly coming in as like a solo poly woman and have that as their first experience, which is common. Uh, and then feel like, oh shit, like this isn't what I expected and it's not what I want. Right. I hope if you're listening that you know, that's not what it is. And if that happens to treat it just like you would treat any other person, um, trying to, to push your boundaries and cross them. Uh, it's hard out here for a bitch. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, like it's (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately our community is unique, but at the same time, incredibly similar to the rest of our culture. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot of bleed over of the patriarchy and, you know, hypersexualization of women rape culture rape culture Absol- it all still exists it, it's all still here poly isn't this safe little bubble where all the mean monoculture and all the mean you know 
it doesn't stay out. You know, and 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 while I'm thinking about it, uh, the I think the reason that that is, like, if we were to compare the poly community and the kink community, for example, the kink community is incredibly well guarded. Like mm-hmm. they they all use pseudonyms. They all, and I'm speaking in really broad terms here, but generally speaking, people that are into kink will use a pseudonym. Mm-hmm. They will have an alternate persona online that they will they will hide behind for for safety and security. Um, and they police themselves very well. There's oh, yeah. there's there's an incredible vetting system, um, at least the community here, um, where you know especially like single men entering the community they're like no 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 you you, <laughs> you you've got like a 6 month waiting period you've got to like talk to eight people you know you got to get approval before you can come to any meetings um there's none of that in the poly community mm. and and i think that's where a lot of that comes from it's just that we are a very very open and because it's not necessarily you know sexualized we're very we're very much more open and uh and trusting Mm-hmm. And that allows for a lot more. Well, also, kink has been around structurally forever. Very true. They have, like, you know, I think polyamorous people, it's a recent organization of us. Mm-hmm. You know, like, non ethical non-monogamy has been around forever. Sure. But kink has had a structured community with a lot of time to learn and grow and set, you know, boundaries and safe words and accountability for yeah. people that are uh, toxic or unsafe. Mm-hmm. And in poly, I think we're just starting to figure out how to do that, you know, and because we are so open and accepting um, and we believe that people are capable of uh, change and respect and growth. I think that we kind of miss the, miss the boat on accountability sometimes. Yeah. Um, which is super unfortunate. And I'd love to be a part of resolving that. Um, but I think it, it more, it comes more for, um, not for couples, but for, for solo poly, you know, mm-hmm. it come it, it becomes one of those things where if there's a singular, you like unique individual, um, which is okay to be poly and be single. Um, but there can be predatory people that are trying to, to, to prey on you. You know, I had a guy at, we were at an event, a polyamorous event at a bar and he came up to me and was talking to me, flirting with me, super cute, a little older, totally my type, rich, great watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Not, I'm kidding. And then uh, he started talking to me about um, his wife, and I, and at first I thought he was trying to to like suggest a threesome, but then it became clear that um, he's like, yeah, my wife's really sick, and so she's giving me permission to kind of like go out and do my own thing, um, and that seemed a little weird. And I was like, oh well, yeah, um, I'm I'm really into that. I would love to meet her. And he's like, oh no 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 no, like we don't do that. I just go out and I kind of like do my own thing, like get a hotel room and just, I was like, oh my God, no, I don't, <laughs> I, it's, it felt so rapey. <laughs> um, and I, mean, I never, at least he, at the very least he communicated to you what the wife. situation was <laughs> and what his intention, I mean, like he didn't, yeah. he didn't come right out and say, Hey, I'm just looking for somebody to pork tonight. Like he, mm-hmm. he was like, you know, here's my situation yeah and you and you turned him down of course yeah i shamed the shit out of him well i didn't it didn't feel like his wife knew what was going on at all i see what you're saying it felt very dishonest and like he was really trying to hide it okay um and so i i like you know kept digging to try to find where the ethical was in this non-monogamy and it was not there um, and it was shitty and that, ha- I mean, that happens more than I'd like to admit, to be honest, right. guys that are married and they're like, Oh, we're poly. And you can obviously tell they're just trying to cheat, you yeah. know, 
which is super unfortunate. So watch out, everyone. That'll happen. People are out there being very imperfect. So in that in that same vein, <laughs> so yes, so to 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 again tie a knot in that, um, there's there's a fair amount of pressure and hypersexualization placed on poly people, both both within the community and from outside the community. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of assumptions made about people that are poly and their sexual preferences, and I just want to let everyone out there know that it's perfectly fine to have sexual preferences to include being completely asexual and still identify as poly. Also, real quick, before I forget, at the beginning of this episode, I implied that you have to be dating multiple people in order to be considered poly. I'd like to, to backpedal on that just a little bit. <laughs> the you, desire to have multiple relationships, well, or, or maybe. Or just being open to it. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm only dating one person right now, but I still consider myself to be poly. That's my preference. That's my identity. So mm-hmm. let me just... Before... <laughs> Before we establish a fan base, first of all, and then second of all, I start getting angry emails from that fan base because of what <laughs> I said. I'd like to say mm-hmm. uh, you can you can be poly and and not have sex or have sex with all the people or not date anyone else or date all the people. It's mm-hmm. it's who you are. It's who you believe yourself to be. Um, yeah, and solo poly gets a little bit of a a bad rap too mm-hmm. when you're when you like have your own thing going and you're single and you don't want anything right now Mm -hmm. or you feel saturated with one partner Mm -hmm. um and that's okay like it's okay to be saturated with one partner it doesn't make you any less poly it's still someone that you are um and so i feel like that's important to remember as well it's okay to be single just like it's okay to be a single monogamous person it's just one of those things where you you transition in and out of your needs and your wants and the relationship structure and if that relationship structure is one person or no people that's okay yeah um as long as you're being introspective and you're setting your own boundaries and you're thinking about um what's going to be healthiest for you and the people around you you know yeah uh, also, uh, in, and I think, thank you for, for mentioning that in the, in the topic of, you know, idealized versions of, of poly or the idea, the types of poly that people typically push, um, hierarchy versus anarchy. So having, oh yeah, having, that's a good one. Having a primary partner or like finding a primary partner mm-hmm. and then having other secondary partners that being idealized as the like only type of poly that works. That's a carryover from monogamy. That's just mm-hmm. like monogamous people. Um, and whatever, to be fair, like I, y- you can have primary partners if that's what makes you happy. If that's mm-hmm. what, is and that's the most common and most comfortable, right? If mm-hmm. if that's if that what is works well for you, but you could also not. You mm-hmm. could also not cohabitate. You can also explain relationship anarchy for people at home. It's it's essentially the counterbalance to hier- a hierarchy. So within within polyamory, it's possible to have one primary partner or several primary partners and then other secondary partners. And it's basically a ranked tier system. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of assigning them your time and your energy and your focus. Exactly. And and yeah, I mean, there, there are other terms for it, but essentially that's what it boils down to. It's resource and time allocation. So mm-hmm. uh, these people get top priority. These people do not get top priority. Um, polyanarchy by contrast specifically avoids assigning any labels like that and just says everyone's on an even playing field you get time based on when you're available when you're available my preference how much i need your time how much time i have to give etc but but there's no presumption there's no assignment of time Um, and both of those are equally viable both of those are you can you can totally do that um 
mm-hmm. either way. But I, I do feel like there's there's a lot of that that hierarchy and having and finding a primary partner mm-hmm. um, is probably pushed harder. Yeah, for um, sure. Oh, so to the point where I didn't even think of that when we were talking about like the perfect poly person, mm. the, that is an idealized kind of relationship is that there's a primary and a secondary or like you have this one person and I've been trying to move away. I have a lot of mono in me uh, and I notice it coming out a lot in the same way that like someone who's religious, you know, will like be like, Oh God. Uh, so I like, I'll say like, you're the best or like, this is the best or like, I love you the most. Um, and that occurred so much in my primary partner relationships that I really, I, I didn't want to have a primary anymore because I felt myself assigning, like, I don't want to love you more. I want to love, you know? Um, and I don't want someone to place their own value in how I rank them in my heart. You know, I don't want someone to feel like they were up here and now they're here. I just want, I'm, and I, I'm not really a relationship anarchist. I do feel like the couple I'm dating is kind of my primary. Um, so it's not like totally anarchy, but I do want to move myself away from that mono vocabulary and that monogamous thought that um, someone will be best and better, you know, and that they'll get the single most and that they can make me drop everything and they can have veto power because I don't want that control, but I also don't want that to hurt them you know sure so that's good right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i'm sure that there are others that i'm just not thinking of at this moment but i mean essentially i mean the idea is still there right (laughs) the overall message that we wanted to convey with this is just whatever you bring to the table is fine whoever you are as an individual whatever your needs are whatever your boundaries are your preferences your identity who you are is perfectly fine and and compatible with polyamory. Um, yeah, and whatever you see in other people is not subject to your judgment or your right, standards. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And by you know, it's it's. We, I say this. It's one of the one of the rules uh, that I that I used to precede every one of the discussion meetings is uh, our discrimination policy, and and part of that is we are an incredibly diverse community. Um, full of many, many different people with different needs and expectations and different identities and ideas of how poly works. And we ask that you come with an open mind and we will extend to you the same courtesy. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, yeah, just fucking be good to each other, you know? Yeah, um, do the best you can. Yeah. You're going to make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. And um, you're going to see other people make mistakes. Yeah. Um, you're going to see a lot of people that say they're poly and they're not. And they're not doing the ethical non-monogamy. They're just doing the non-monogamy. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to bite your tongue in that situation. Um, be, but I think that the important part is if you're seeing that to know, the, to be able to discern for yourself that their behavior is, is toxic and to not subject yourself to that um, and become a part of that relationship. But also to not, if you're a monogamous and you see someone who is like polyamorous in air quotes and they are not being ethical, hopefully I can encourage you to know that that's not how it's supposed to be. And I've heard a lot of people that I've been with say like, oh yeah, I did this poly girl, but she was pretty much just cheating on me and I didn't really know where she was all the time. And, uh, and so that's their that's their only interaction with that, you know, is that they've seen this person fuck up. Uh, but we all fuck up. And that's um, that's a part of life and a part of relationships, mono or poly. Um, so I just hope that you don't um, judge all of us based on one mistake and that you don't judge yourself based on one mistake that you've made or a series of mistakes. Because 
We're all pretty lame. Um, thank well, you guys for listening. Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say we're 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 all we're all growing. I'm I'm years into this lifestyle, and I'm still learning things about myself and my partners. And it's it, it shouldn't end. It shouldn't ever end. Your you should never feel like you're perfect yet. <laughs> well, right. I mean, you. Well, I, I I will say that like the second that you assume that you've got all of it figured out, <laughs> you're going to be proven wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 has a funny way of working like that. Of of uh, you know you you find new boundaries and new triggers just when you think everything's settled and everything's perfect, something changes. Um, mm-hmm. So just stay flexible more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do some yoga, guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you guys for listening. Um, this has been very cathartic for me. Um, it was good to talk about. I hope you learned something. I'm really glad that you guys listen to this show. It's so weird to have like people message me that I've never met before that listen to this. <laughs> yep. Like that's that's, that's so weird. Um, and it's really cool. And I'm so glad that we're helping. Um, and I'm sorry if we ever say anything incorrectly. We would love to hear from you. If you if you do want to complain, controversy is still publicity. So yeah. uh, you can email us at <laughs> polywannapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can always tweet me at polywanna Or no, it's, yeah, Pollywanna podcast. No, Pollywant podcast. Pollywant podcast is the Twitter because I couldn't fit the whole thing. Um and I really want to hear from you and I want your questions. And if you want to be a guest, I will totally have you on so you can tell me your story. Uh, I'd like to start a story time series where people just vent about their shit. And I want you to be on that if you have some shit to vent about. Um, so please contact us. Thank you to Jay Walker Coaching, jwalkercoaching.com. You can go check it out and he can help you be a better person. Um, he's sponsoring this podcast by letting us record it in his closet. Yay. <laughs> closet recordings. And uh, Houston Polyamorous Organization is our other sponsor. Um, super sweet, super great people. Um, they really help kind of tie the community together. Um, so if you go to HoustonPoly.org, you can see some stuff that I have written, some stuff that John has written, um, and some stuff that they have, some resources that are available to you. Um, and that's all. Those are all the things. Thank you to Mockingbird Network for hosting us, of course. So I love you. Bye. I'm Britt Vasacek with Polly Wanna Podcast. Are you interested in polyamory? Do you even know what polyamory is? You can tune in to Polly Wanna Podcast. We interview comedians, counselors, and regular people to get a peek inside of the world of open relationships and ethical non-monogamy. I'm really fascinated by the conversations that I have with these people, and I'm really excited to share those conversations with you. You can find Polly Wanna Podcast at bulletbrit.com or at the Mockingbird Network. Mocking Bird Network.